Coming up today on the Locked on Hornets podcast, Rick Bennell joins us, and he even owns Doug a couple of times before he even hops on the podcast with us. We also recap the Orlando Magic game. It was an ugly one, and this. If you want to have that conspiracy theory talk, I think playing Billy Hernan Gomez as much as he's getting play right now is like a, is just, it's just sabotage. It's absolutely sabotage. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. We live. <laughs> it's Tuesday, which means we have Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer on, but it's not going to be the first time that we have all interacted with each other today. In fact, Rick and Doug have had quite the interaction this morning on Twitter Doug taking the L in both interactions. We, we started off with a Benel burn right off the rip. Rick calling Doug an extra from the show Nashville. Then Doug displayed his literacy in accusing the Observer slash Charlotte 5 of not mentioning our podcast as one of the 20 Charlotte podcasts to listen to on your commute. And yet, in fact, it was one of the only two sports podcasts listed. Rick, I would like to apologize on behalf of my co-host, Doug. Well... You know, I mean, we, we, we expect better of him at this point. Do I, do I get um, a chance to defend myself? Is it, is it, can, the, I, can the defense well, make a motion here? Doug, I will say this. Um, that, that picture you found from Nashville, that was truly awesome. You know, and, and I really I feel bad for you that you got ditched for Klitschko. That's, that's, um, that must have been a hard one. <laughs> First of all, everyone, everyone on the television show Nashville is beautiful, so I don't take that as a burn. I take that as an extreme compliment about my appearance, number one. Uh, number two, I, yeah, you're right. I can't read. Uh, the, the podcast was in the article, but uh, in my defense, I was only looking at the bolded type for the name, and I was only searching for our name, and I missed the link there. And so I'm going to blame it on formatting. It's not my fault. <laughs> so you're basically what you're saying is it's a typical dog level of self-absorption and just move on. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. That's exactly right. <laughs> no, would we expect anything else? It's exactly what you said, Rick. Would we expect anything else from my, my producer with a lack of attention to detail? It's great. That's why our podcast is so successful. <laughs> Hornets podcast presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day, local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. Like I said, Rick Bennell joining us. You can find him on Twitter at Rick underscore Bennell. Rick, by the way, joining us all the way from Paris. Rick, how are you doing over there? I'm doing terrific. I'm, I'm actually outside the Opera House where I'm actually going to meet uh, the lovely and talented Ashley Stroline, um, brief, you know, um, in a brief few minutes. That's going to be, yeah, I imagine that this trip is pretty fun. I know you talked about China, Rick, about that was quite the experience for you. What uh, have, Has the cuisine been good? What have you got to experience so far in France? Yeah, the, the seafood here is fantastic. Um, I did have an amazing small world experience today. Um, I was getting in a cab, changing hotels, and... Um, I, we we drove past a stadium and I and I looked at the, looked at the driver and I said uh, soccer and he said yes but I'm a basketball guy and I said oh that's cool and uh, and he said where are you from and I said North Carolina and he looked at his rearview mirror and he gave me this odd look and I said what and he said what's your name and I said Rick Bonnell and all of a sudden he stared at me and said 
sports writer, Tony Parker. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's incredible. Uh, that's got to be astounding. <laughs> I mean, that has to be the weirdest interaction you've ever had with anybody that consumes your content, right? Um, the only one that, that compares to it is um, many years ago, I was at the concierge lounge at the New York Marriott Marquis, and somebody walked up to me and said, hey, Rick Bunnell, I know you. And I looked at him like, is this like a process server or something? <laughs> and I said, and, and who are you? And he said, oh, I'm David Guthrie. I'm, a, I'm, I'm the NBA referee who, you know, played baseball at NC State. He goes, he lives in Charlotte. He goes, I've been reading your stuff for years. I can't believe we've never met before. Wow. <laughs> and that's David insane. and I are now very close. David and I are now very close friends, but it was a really weird interaction. <laughs> you know, that, uh, that happens to me all the time in Charlotte. Uber drivers think I'm Walter Herman. Yeah. <laughs> not as sexy, though. You're not as sexy as Walter Herman. Walter Herman was sexy. Walter, when you think about it, Walter Herman would have been a great extra on Nashville. That's, you're right. Long no, hair. Fit right man. in with the beautiful people. <laughs> no, he, absolutely. He's one of the most beautiful, I believe, Charlotte Bobcats slash Hornets of all time. Rick Bennell, national celebrity, joining us here on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Rick, uh, you wrote a really fascinating, uh, touching story on Nick Batum's NBA career and how it was threatened by a painful memory regarding his father before it even started. Uh, what stood out to you most in that interaction with Nick to write this article? Well, first of all, I got to tell you, I, I have so thanked Nick and his agent, Buna Jai, for the, the t- not only the time they spent with me, but the detail with which they provided me in context about an amazingly complicated, you know, sad time in his life. Um, you know, his father dropped dead before his eyes when he was two and a half. You know, we all have first memories. Nick's first memory is watching his father collapse and never get up. Um, he was two and a half years old. He was in his mother's arms in France. Father was a basketball player here. And um, what was so weird and so sad beyond that was 17 years later, he's about to be drafted. Um, based on the teams that had worked him out, he had a chance to be a borderline lottery pick. And he had a physical in the, with the Raptors up in Toronto. And the electrocardiogram showed something odd. And in asking about it, they said, do you have anybody in your family who has had a heart problem or died young? And Nick rather innocently said, yes, my father. And that set off bells all over the NBA um, to a point that Nick was um, seriously in danger of not getting drafted at all in 2008. Uh, his agent, um, Bunajai, who represents almost all the French players, um, rushed him to the Cleveland Clinic to get a workup. And here's where it gets really odd. Um, when, the, when the doctor at the Cleveland Clinic said, I don't see anything about your, about your physical that would concern me, but tell me, what hap- tell me how your father died. And Nick said, I don't know. And they discovered that he never had an autopsy and there was never a cause of death. And so they had to go track down the doctor that pronounced him dead 17 years ago. The man had retired and moved to Africa. Well, in what struck me as an incredibly ghastly experience, Nick, a couple of days before the draft, had to sit in on a conference call where those two doctors speculated on what happened. 
Nick got That's through all that. And yeah. and uh and RC Buford from the Spurs got him a second opinion with a uh um with a doctor in San Antonio and it got to a point where the Spurs basically told him, If you're if you get to our pick, we're taking you. And apparently word of that got got around to the to the uh Trailblazers who traded for the pick right before the Spurs um with the Rockets, and that's how Nick ended up in Portland. Rick, I don't want to give too much away that you wrote in the article, but is that something that Nick still thinks about? Does he does he ever play in fear of that? Is that something that still is in his mind? Nick was convinced that he wasn't going to make it to 30 because that's when his father died. And it really came to a head when his, his then-infant son and his wife were at the Olympics in 2016 and we're in the stands and Nick looked up at them and, and flashed back to that experience and just, you know, for a few minutes, really freaked out about it. He had a long talk with his family. He turned 31, uh, two months ago and his fam, his mom said to him, look, you made it. You're going to be fine. And Nick gave me this wonderful quote. that's at the end of the story that said, I've made peace. It's over. We've got more from Rick Bennell coming up, but whether it's sports, work, or just getting through your day, we all know that physical fitness is important. But if you want to stay on top of your game, you have to take care of your mental fitness as well. That's why you need Calm. Calm is the number one app for sleep and meditation, and they've teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body, and Calm can help you train your brain so that you sleep better, have less stress, and perform at your best. For LeBron, sleep is an important part of his mental fitness routine. If you head to calm.com slash LockedOnNBA, you'll get 40% off a Calm premium membership. With Calm, you have access to the nature scenes that LeBron loves, like rain on leaves, and so much more, like sleep stories and meditations. For a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in using Calm with a 40% discount to an annual membership at calm.com forward slash LockedOnNBA. Unlock content to help you focus ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash locked on NBA. That's calm.com slash locked on NBA. This is Locked on Hornets. Have you ever had that one little bug that's just like, it's not completely out, but it's like kind of dangling in there. And then you try to sniff it back up to go away for good, but it just, it'll, it'll keep popping back. That's what I'm going through right now. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Rick Bennell getting to hear that pleasing bump before we come back to the second segment. Uh, Rick Bennell also uh, joining us uh, Walker, from Paris, I, France. Walker, I didn't realize. I didn't realize that you have gone through the pain of basal hair. I have too. That's a horrible thing. Oh man, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm getting older, Rick. I didn't realize that. And he's I had so he's so deep and reflective about it. Yeah, I am. I, I absolutely am deep and reflective about it. Uh, Rick, when we look at the Charlotte Hornets, tra- tra- uh, let's go ahead and change that subject. Uh, when we look at the Charlotte Hornets last night, Rick, they lost the Charl- uh, They lost the Orlando Magic to Steve Clifford's team, the the Orlando Magic. First, let's start with Terry Rozier. I, I saw Doug tweet about it um, that it was the worst game that he had seen him play defensively. And you look offensively, he certainly wasn't very good. I completely agree with Doug. Now, what did you think about Terry Rozier's performance last night? Where did it rank in some of the bad performances this season? Well, you know that I think that Terry hasn't got enough credit for his adaptability. So 
I'm a big fan of his. Um, but he was pretty awful last night. I watched the I watched the game on my phone over here, and um, I'm sure Terry would be the per- first person to say that that was a major, major stinker. But he wasn't particularly alone in that regard. Um, you know, Cody Zeller was minus 23 last night. And while y'all know that I'm really reluctant to make too much out of plus minus um, in short doses, um, that's not good, guys. Um <laughs> You know, the really weird thing about this, I don't know Bob a fan. Um, I think in the long haul, he's going to be a really interesting player, but he's got a long way to go. When Mo Bamba blows you up for nine minutes, that ain't a good thing, guys. That's that's why they're coming over here on a seven-game losing streak about to play the the best team in the NBA on a seven-game winning streak. Yeah, Rick, how much of this game was Orlando just being one of the better teams defensively and the Charlotte Hornets being really bad offensively? Where would you put that meter in, you know, what area it lands a little bit more? Cliff's teams are always well-prepared defensively. You can just take that for granted. But I got to tell you, um, they were coming across the country. They had no real rest. They spent all day flying from San Francisco on Sunday. Um, they looked miserable, just embarrassingly bad uh, against the Warriors in the fourth quarter. The Warriors broke a 10-game losing streak in winning that game. The Hornets had had four days off. Um, you know, to look that flat is is ridiculous in my mind. Rick, Miles Bridges, one of nine in this game, 0 for 3 from behind the line, four points, and you know not a whole lot else. No, Two rebounds, just the one assist, did have the nice block, but really that was about it. Rick, it's, it's fair, and we've talked about this. There was a lot of responsibility, right? We continue to use that caveat when we talk about the performance of Miles Bridges this season. But when he puts up a line like that and he continues to put up lines that are pretty similar that showcase bad performances from him, at what point do we get really concerned about Miles Bridges? You no, know, we understand that maybe this is never going to be a superstar or an all-star in the league. You know, maybe we can come to grips with that. But at what point do we get really concerned about him just being even a average rotation player and 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 the the type of ceiling that he has, at least in that regard? Would you agree with me? And I know this is something we've discussed before that it's you know that if it's a if it's a matter of PJ Washington or Miles Bridges in the long haul, it's going to be difficult for anybody to justify Bridges over Washington. And I just think, I just think he's miscast as a small forward. And I think they know that they just don't have any solution for it in the long run. Um, I think that one of the really interesting questions, and I think it applies to both Miles and to Malik, is at what point are these guys potentially going to be more useful? as trade commodities that is core pieces. That was Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer joining us on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Again, follow him on Twitter at Rick underscore Bennell. Also, check out that Nick Batum piece. Pretty incredible stuff there. Again, Rick Bennell, uh, Rick underscore Bennell is where you can follow him on Twitter. Rick, go uh, experience Paris some more, man. That's awesome. Thanks again for joining us all the way over there. Thank you for having me. Have a great day. Coming up, we're going to find out who won the latest edition of our box score bromance battle beatdown. But if you listen to this podcast, you hear all of the great advertisers that are working with Locked On right now to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Hornets is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Hornets fans. 
Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. And I'm not talking about just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Hornets fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated, has disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses and local podcasts. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com forward slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or you can visit LockedOnPodcast.com forward slash advertising and we look forward to hearing from you. This is Locked On Hornets. I feel like Cody Martin is the perfect guy to go down there right now as much as anybody is. Yeah, you no, like I know, that yeah, no, I definitely, sorry, Martin. I didn't know you were tossing me there. Yeah, I definitely, okay. I definitely think that. Was uh, that a me problem or you a problem? Were you just not listening or were, was I just, did I didn't set you up? Oh, I totally wasn't, li- well. I wasn't listening to you okay. at all. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. You know, we mentioned Terry Rozier. We're picking on him after this game. I agree with Rick. I think there's a lot to like from Terry Rozier, especially with the way that we had the expectations coming into the season. But, you know, Terry was really bad in this game, Doug. Defensively, you said it was his worst. I completely agree with you. Evan Fournier got whatever he wanted. There was a time that I believe it was under the basket, and it seemed like even Terry gave up. Fournier just had an easy layup when I think he kind of corralled the basketball under the basket and then just was able to, you know, put it in pretty easily. Um, Defensively, not great in this game, allowing, you know, 103 points to the uh, Orlando Magic. I believe it was 103 points. 106, I should say. And then, uh, obviously, offensively, Doug. I mean, look, Orlando's really good on that end of the floor. But, man, only 83 for them. The backcourt didn't score, and we know when Devontae Graham doesn't score at an efficient level and Terry Rozier doesn't put any points up, then this is going to be a team that's going to find a hard way to win. I, like you and Rick, have been a fan of Terry's this year, of his adapting to the Devontae Graham situation, of his continued growth as an outside shooter, and his adaptability to getting 30-plus minutes as opposed to his bench role uh, in you know Boston. It could have been a disaster. It has not been a disaster. But I think what concerns me about last night is, to me, that was an important game. Uh, for really for both teams, because Orlando was coming in, they had not dealt with that road trip very well, and they had played nine games in 15 days. The Hornets needed a win desperately. This felt like an opportunity for leaders on this team to step up, and I count Rozier as one of the people that should be leading this team to victories. And and I felt like he failed in that regard. And and by the way, I'm not the only one thinking that. Like Borrego has talked in practice about how he's looking to Rozier for more leadership in terms of vocally on the court, moving players around saying, hey, you need to be here, you need to do this. That's important for a young team. I think he failed in that regard, both in his actions and in his ability to corral the rest of the team. Also what's concerning, and this has been a season-wide trend, is how difficult it's been for Rozier to play offensively without Devontae Graham on the floor. When, When both of them are on the floor, he's a very efficient basketball player. He's shooting 45% from the field, 41% 41% from the, the three-point line. But when Graham goes away, he becomes more of a distributor, which you would expect, but his efficiency drops down to 37% from the field and 36% mm. from three. And I thought he could have been a little bit more aggressive against Orlando, and, and it kind of goes to that stat. 
Yeah, the other question I asked Rick, Doug, and you know, I'm sure listeners are getting tired of it. That's why I'm going to bring it up again. Yeah. Um, man, Miles Bridges. You know, I we we've we've talked about it a lot, Doug. How we understand the responsibility that he had at the beginning of the season. There also has been some really bad games from him. This was one of them. One of nine from the field, four points. Um, you know, missed all three pointers that he took. I thought that Miles Bridges was going to be bad in this game. That's why in that bromance battle beat down, whatever the hell we call it, that's why I chose Miles Bridges as my low score. You would eventually win that with Dwayne Bacon. So good call. Spoiler. But I thought Miles Bridges was going to, you know, at least contend for that loss because I thought he was going to struggle with the size that Orlando possesses. He did. It's not like Miles is someone that can create his own shot. He so can't. It, you know, so it's not somebody that's going to be able to take even a Bombo or, you know, any size that they have out there with Orlando whatsoever. It's going to be Miles having to hit open threes. And we know that Miles, you know, can get cold from beyond the arc quite a bit. I thought he was going to struggle. He did. But at some point, Doug, I mean, look at some of the lines that he's put up just this month alone. One of nine against the Magic. O of seven in 18 minutes against Portland. Ooh. Two of 10 to start the month off against Cleveland Ouch. on the road. He's shooting just over, uh, he's shooting almost 42%, I should say, from the field. He's shooting 29% from three. You know, he's not getting to the free throw line. At some point, when you put up, you know, bad line after bad line like that, then, then that not only worries me about being an all star, because I don't think anybody expected him to be an all star. Not even you know, maybe last year you had enough of a good feeling about him to be a fringe all star, the Mike Conley team, right? Maybe you thought, that that was his ceiling, but that has dropped way down to the point where we're even worried about him, you know, being a good rotation player. I, I'm worried, Doug. I really am. We're at the midway point of the season. And he's put up some really bad lines this year. I've been most surprised this year with how easy it is for PJ Washington to get to the rim and get clean looks versus how difficult it's been for Miles Bridges. And when you hear me say on this show, I don't know what Miles Bridges does well offensively, please someone tell me, this is what I'm talking about. Where are the high-flying displays that we got a preview of last season? He gets forced too many times into that short middle area of the floor because he can't get past size. I don't know whether it's a quickness thing or a strength thing or a technical thing with his footwork, but he's not getting to the rim very easily, and his accuracy in that short middle area has not been very good According to Cleaning the Glass, he's shooting 22% of his shots in that zone, and he's only making, so it's right outside the restricted area, and he's only making 28% of them. I could pick out a few plays last night against Orlando where he was just awkwardly putting, like he doesn't have the skill necessary to shoot the shots that he's shooting. And, and, and he's not hitting things from outside either, and that's a huge problem. You can't shoot 42% from the field if you're going to shoot 29% from three. That's bottom line. Like right now, Devontae's struggling from the entire floor, but from three, he's great, and that helps his overall effective field goal percentage and his ability to impact games. Miles doesn't have that. Doug, what were some of the uh, key factors in this game before we have to end today's show? Key factors? I mean, I just thought Orlando came in prepared to play. I thought, you know, and the Hornets got a great start to this game. Remember that? I mean, they scored 27. They held Orlando to under 20 in that first quarter. So it wasn't as if the Hornets were just not prepared to play this game. It's just that they weren't prepared to play 48 minutes of tough defense. 
And the 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 Magic out hustled them. I mean, they were getting to loose balls. Michael Carter Williams, uh, props to him. You know, Steve Clifford loves that guy, and there's a reason because he was making hustle plays. He was get, generating extra possessions for Orlando. That's important when you can't play well offensively. In fact, the Hornets are terrible offensively right now, and it, part of the problem is they're not generating enough extra possessions. They had too many second. They gave up too many second chance points, too many offensive rebounds to a team in Orlando. By the way, that's not even a good offensive rebounding team. I mean, the de- the defensive rebounding on this team is just horrible. I'm not sure why Bismack Biombo is getting reduced minutes. I mean, if you want to talk about sneaky tank plays by this, but if you want to have that conspiracy theory talk, I think playing Billy Hernan Gomez as much as he's getting play right yeah. now is like a, is just is just sabotage. It's absolutely sabotage. Now, a bit biz, who would have thought that Bismack Biombo sitting on the bench was a sneaky tank play for this Hornets? Don't team? get hurt. It, that's the message to Hornets players right now. Do not get hurt at all because you will – and honestly, I think there's a little criticism there. Like if you get hurt, it means you're going to lose your position. And I think it – I don't know. I mean, I, I'd have to just do some investigating on whether that would affect players' hustle well, and kind of throwing their bodies – and putting their bodies on the line because it's, it's pretty clear the evidence this season is if you get hurt, you're going to lose your position in the rotation and, and Borrego's going to try something else. Well, and Rick Bennell wrote that article about the veterans, how much they like James Borrego, and even even though they don't play a whole lot this season, or at least at the beginning of the year, right, because of the pivot to the youth movement. But the veterans like James Borrego because Borrego had been straight up with them, that this is going to be a team that does play the younger players a little bit more, but that they're not going to be given time. I mean, if the veterans that they need Nick Batum out there to go play defense, even though there's been times he's not been very good, if they need Nick Batum to go play defense, then you know he's going to go out there and take away some of the minutes away from the younger players. You know, Bismack Biombo has been a veteran that's gotten some minutes, and it seems like they were pretty candid in telling Rick that they really like James Brago for that. So that would go against what you're saying, even though the evidence on the floor absolutely supports your argument. So it's interesting to see exactly what James Brago philosophy is there. Like, is he rewarding guys for stepping up to the plate and then giving them more playing time? And does that serve as accountability? Hey, you did your job when you went in there, you, and now you're rewarded with more playing time with kind of accidentally uh, hurting and hurting the other guy that gets injured. You know, I, I think that's interesting to kind of balance. Yeah, I think it, it, uh, you're right. It is interesting because I think what Borrego is doing here is just anytime there is a an opportunity to insert another player into this lineup and see what they can do, he's just taking it and he's running with it. And, and I think we'll see Bismack Biombo back to his regular rotation role uh, pretty soon. Uh, if if things continue like they're they're going, because again, you know it's it's one thing to lose basketball games uh, because the, the Hornets are in a rebuild mode right now. Hopefully, they don't trade for Andre Drummond or Demar Derozan or something like that and jerk the wheel. They're in a long term rebuild mode, and so you're going to lose games. But but how are you? How many games are you going to lose in a row? What's the morale going to be? Are you are you you know, learning how to win eventually, or are you just losing game after game, playing miserable offense and miserable defense? That's the question uh, that the Hornets have to figure out uh, when they get back from France, because I think they're going to get smoked against the Bucks. 
All right, so Doug won both of the box score bromance battle beatdown numbers yesterday. Doug went with uh, PJ as his high score, Dwayne Bacon as his low score. I went with Terry Rogier as my high score. Ouch, and Miles as my low score. PJ would score 23 points to Terry Rogier's 10. Dwayne Bacon would score six points compared to Miles Bridges' seven. And so those are box score points, by the way. So points, That's rebounds, steals, assists, blocks, minus turnovers. Right. So Doug wins two to nothing. Now he takes the lead three to one overall on the season. The actual high last night was a tie between Malik Monk and PJ Washington with 23 points and our silly made up game. And the actual low was Cody Martin, who had four Bismack and Dwayne Bacon. They all uh, they had six. So they both tie for second to worst in that uh, category. All right. Thanks for listening. Well, can I say one thing real quick? Sure. Uh, Cody Martin and biz. Yes, they did have low box score points, but I actually think they tried to make an impact on this game. Biz with his physicality and defense tried to help turn things around in the third quarter. Cody Martin also made a few good plays. Uh, just didn't get enough minutes to really make an impact offensively in this game. It's funny because I completely agree with you. It's just the sheer substance of that sentence. I think they try to make an impact on this game. You know, I hope everybody does. You know, that's, that's what I hear you. I hope. Well, I mean, that's to- not a given with this team right now. They're they're mired in in some really terrible basketball right now, and I think that's to me that's why the onus is really on Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham and others on this team to really kind of pull everyone together and say, okay, enough's enough. We can't lose fifteen games in a row. No, and and just like Cody Martin, Doug, I thought you really tried to give an effort on this podcast today. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Locked on Hornets. We'll talk to you tomorrow. It's a Nashville effort.